On this Christmas edition of That's the Process, we have some audio difficulties. I'm uh, by the side of a road in Maine. Jeff has some connectivity issues, um, and Preston is doing just great. But we recap, or we go through uh, the bowl games through the Memphis Penn State game. And we talk a little bit about the MAC and why they've been so bad in bowl games. I, I did a little bit of research for this, as well as later on talking about academies, and we you know, hit some hit some good talking points. So uh, with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a out with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom Back by popular demand, we have a Bet the Process podcast for the rest of the Bulls with Rufus Peabody and our bearded friend, Preston Johnson. Uh, welcome, guys. We are stretching our technical... I mean, everyone makes fun of us for having shitty tech anyways, so this just seems perfect. Rufus is on like the roadside in some place in Maine that Stephen King has probably written about um, before, so he may not make it through this podcast. He may get murdered on the side of the road. Um, and Preston is, is getting ready to celebrate the holidays. Um, but, uh, welcome guys. Hola. How you guys doing? Rufus, I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> okay. Quick, quick. I, I'm here. I'm, All right, I'm so, here. I'm, I'm at, uh, I'm overlooking some lake and a trail. I'm in a nice little parking lot. If it takes us this long to get through the intros, we may have trouble getting through this podcast, but let's start quickly. We got this. We're going to jump into one that you guys both wanted to talk about. I think Cheetah just uh, really selfishly wanted to get your read on this game to figure out whether he wants to load up on Miami or not. But Miami minus six and a half, uh, 50 and a half. It looks like it's kind of somewhere between six and six and a half. It's the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. What say you guys? I'll let Rufus go first. Um, okay, so this is interesting. Cause, so I, I have Miami, um, I have them as the 31st rated team in Massey Peabody and Louisiana Tech at 73. Um, and honestly, it, it, without a prior, the ratings are pretty similar. But uh, the, Louisiana Tech, um, much better record, but they have the 130th strength of schedule in the country, which in case you didn't know, that's literally dead last. Um, their only three losses are to Texas, Marshall, and UAB. But, and, um, and they have outscored their opponents by 124 points, but they played literally the 130, 128, 126, 118, and 117 best team plus an FCS team. Um, so half their games are literally against teams in the worst 10% of football. Um, and so when you adjust for all that, their average game grade, despite having only three losses, is a negative two and a half, um, whereas Miami's is a, is a plus 5.8. So I actually um, I think that there's value in Miami, despite the fact that there is some, some of that bowl game shrinkage I talked about yesterday. Um, I make the line 10. So I, I took it at five and a half and a little bit five and a half and six. I know that there are two defensive linemen out for Miami. I think um, I have in my notes Hill and Garvin, um, but I still think that number is a little bit too low. So um, I'm on Miami. I am as well. I honestly don't know a single person that does their own projections or models college football in any form uh, that doesn't like Miami. And then generally the people that I listen to that don't really have their own projections as a baseline or guideline that are like trying to pick out the spots. Uh, they, they like La tech. So I guess the reason being that Miami went six and six, they didn't really reach expectations. Why would they be, you know, motivated for this game? And so La Tech's an easy buy on team in this sense. Uh, this number is way too low. I, I mean, I have it at 11.6. I think the total is basically spot on. Um, but the Hurricanes, I mean, they dropped six games, uh, five were one score games. They were also dealing with like a quarterback kind of fluctuation throughout the season. Originally, they went with the freshman. Uh, he kind of got hurt slash benched, which still is kind of an unknown. Perry took over for a few games. They went back to, I think his, his name's Williams. Um, they went back to him. Uh, regardless, you know, this is a team that also beat five bowl teams. Like Miami, um, Rufus mentioned, like if you were just going off priors, this would be a huge discrepancy. If you're going off just the season's data, then it would be a lot closer. Um, but when it's all said and done, I actually have, because I look at, 
the strength of schedule stuff, I include the FCS programs. This is another one where I have La Tech at a 141st. Uh, so there were quite a few uh-huh. FCS teams that played tougher schedules. Um, when it's all said and done, though, I was just going to say, you know, adjusted for success rate defensively, Miami's 12th in the country. Uh, you're getting a cheap price on a team that, yeah, maybe they – ultimately don't want to be there. But uh, I guess there were some quotes. This is one of the things that I read. People were kind of trying to find the La Tech side. They were saying there were quotes before bowls were announced from a few different Miami players that said, we want to end the season on a good note and a big bowl and get ready for next season. And then they were awarded with Louisiana Tech, which isn't very big bowl. Um, So maybe that's why they're going to have a letdown. Um, I think the number is way too cheap. So yeah, I'm on Miami as well. This is Wait, a, how do they how do they want a big bowl given that they're six and six, six and six right? That it's kind interesting. of uh, like who, who, who do they think they are? But Miami. Question, one thing I did mention, um, maybe one thing. I mean, they do have one common opponent this year, and that's Florida International, who Louisiana Tech beat forty three to twenty one. Miami was a twenty one point favorite against FIU uh, in week thirteen, lost thirty to twenty four in a big upset. So. Um, if the if the transitive property applied, then Louisiana Tech should crush Miami. So it's interesting because this does seem like one of those games where analytics kind of like are all on one side and this quote-unquote intangibles are all on the other side. What I like about this is that you guys are – we are able to reason out why this line may be depressed. Um, and at the end of the day, it's so depressed it seems like it's we're, we're all willing to sort of ignore those narratives and just say talent is going to win out here. Um, it, you know, if, if Miami has any sort of motivation to win this game and you can make all these different lines about, Oh, maybe they want to finish above 500 maybe, they, you know, all whatever. But I think it's clear that Miami minus six is, is a pretty strong play for the analytics crowd. It is. Yeah. And it's minus, it's minus yeah. six minus minus one ten on Chris. So that, that'll be the number we use. All right, let's move on to the quick lane bowl uh in ford field in michigan um pittsburgh is an 11 and a half point favorite over a mac team eastern michigan the mac seems to be rearing its ugly head because they just you know feel like they've been disrespected too much the total's 49 um i know rufus you like pittsburgh here from a, a number lower do you still like them at 11 and a half i do I, I make the number um i make number 16 and i actually did look at um to this mac stuff because you know i i had heard the narratives i heard you know we talked last week about how bad the mac teams have been historically in bowl games and so i kind of did um a, a test for if there were significant conference effects overall in the bowl game so i tested to see if there was like this overall distribution of, con- of conference effects and found that it wasn't significant. There's no, it was about, uh, it was 0.7 standard deviations away from, from normal, meaning like it's, so it mostly, most likely was caused just by, you know, um, randomness, any sort of deviations. But if you just test individual conference dummy variables, um, basically not, nothing else is anywhere close to having any meaning except the math is significant. And it's like almost three standard deviations away from just being random. So, so, is it next? I was wondering. I was like, okay, could it be influenced by some outliers? So I tried um, what's called a quantile regression, which instead of mat, instead of minimizing the uh, um, mean squared error, I'm minimizing the absolute error. And so I found that that in, that that was a, a portion of it. So like the the for the stat nerds out there, the p value there was um, around 0.034. Um, and there's no other conference anywhere near this. And so if you want an idea of the scale of this, it's bit, like, I, and by the way, I'm testing with against the Nasty Peabody numbers rather than the market. So because the market may or may not be, you know, I don't want to make an assumption that the market is or isn't factoring in um, the Mac better than I am. But Mac teams have underperformed the, um, the shrunk Nasty Peabody numbers, shrunk from bowl games, by six and a half points in bowl games. So that's, that's quite a lot. Um, but I was like, well, maybe I'm just undervaluing math teams in general. So if that was the case, you could the chips show up in their other non-conference games that aren't all games. So I took a look, and I found that actually math teams overperformed the math team by expectation in non-bowl, non-conference games by 0.07 points a game. So really, it was dead on for those. So what does the market think? Um, the market underperformed by the market by about three-quarters of a point in non-bowl, non-conference games, and underperformed by 5.6 points in, in bowl games. So TLDR, um, the math has sucked in bowl games. Um, <laughs> 
Is it random? It, it, it is significant, but you don't see any other conferences with these sort of significant effects. So the question here is like, what do we, what do we take from this? Do we think that it's, it's just one of these sort of random blips that's going to just correct itself? Do we think that maybe Mac teams are preparing different or maybe the Mac regular season is just so strenuous and grueling and playing <laughs> all those Thursday and Tuesday matching games is just, you know, they're not able to get up for bowl games after all those primetime games. Like, I don't know. What say you, Preston? Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know the answer. So I, I just kind of hypothesizing the the one real, I think angle, and I didn't obviously do any homework on this, which we could now look into those and look directly at the instances where the coach left the team is there have been a lot of Matt coaches in the last few years, especially where I think this trend against the spread and straight up has been even more pronounced, uh, meaning against the max um, actual performance. If, if the coaches leaving are, are making a significant difference. So I would like to, I guess, detail or angle in on just those instances and see how it compares. But outside of that, I mean, I think it's possible. Like when, So when I'm doing like adjustments in season, this is like the other thought I had week to week. You know, if you're playing MAC teams, you're, they're playing each other, you know, for those final seven to nine weeks of the season. You know, it's possible that you, like, you do game grades. I do a similar type of expected points thing per game, per box score, uh, which is a similar type of thing that you do. And I mean, it's possible that we're not, um, or we're giving these teams too much credit when they face each other to some extent so that by the time the season ends or going into bowl season, we're slightly overvaluing MAC teams just as a whole um, when in reality the conference just is probably the worst or one of the worst in the country every single year. Um, and then the other thing I think for me this year especially stood out when I was doing some stuff pre-bowl preparation was just that they had no real elite team this year. I mentioned it last week on the show, but CMU was in the conference final. They were a 1-11 team last year. I mean, it's hard for a 1-11 team to be arguably, and they were a favorite, the best team in the conference the next season. The conference just can't be very good in that case. And so, uh, I mean, there's a lot going on. And you did the, the comparison to preseason non-conference games versus bowl. So why would it be the bowl season's different than preseason? That's why I just think that, that stretch of seven to nine weeks, maybe when they're just playing each other over and over for a while, uh, we're not correctly maybe adjusting relative to the rest of the market where the Mac teams should fall into place. But so, if we, if we were using, if we had a baseline that was basically accurate before, then how before, would we, right. why would we, right? Like why would them playing each other change that? I guess. So, I mean, to I me, mean, I mean, if, if bad's sort, playing yeah. bad, like at, at some point they're going to look better than they would if they were playing a team or a group of teams that are better. Right, just because bad versus bad, like when Akron played UMass, both teams actually looked pretty good. Akron looked worse because UMass ended up winning. Um, you're right; those are two of the worst teams we've probably ever graded in the last decade. But like, I mean, I just I feel like a lot of the good can come out of a team if they're playing a team that can't force the bad out of you. Um, and that's just complete just hypothesis again. I don't really know, but that's my guess is that going through games, they're playing better against bad competition than they would against the competition they see in the bowl season. And then it's just like a stark difference that we're not accounting for, uh, at least correctly or fully. Yeah, I mean, I think... So, by the way, wait, wait, if you want to make that Akron UMass um, argument, I have my actual game grades. I just pulled those up. Akron mm -hmm. graded at a negative 34 against UMass. UMass graded as a negative 25 against Akron. So, basically, okay. that's both teams graded... So well, that's because they're UMass playing each other and you haven't graded so right. low, right? Right, but I'm saying I'm saying I don't think we were overvaluing one of them for being for winning. Um, they both got absolutely shat on by my by my numbers there. Sure, that's because they were playing exactly. really bad team. But, the point that, but what was the final score? They, they both scored plenty of points. I mean, they actually looked okay. In Thirty-seven this, and twenty-nine. Right, they were scoring touchdowns. I mean, that's why I'm just saying if you look at 37-29 generally, of course you're doing a game grade based on playing one of the worst teams of all time. So the game grade is going to be bad no matter what. But in a sense, you look at 37-29, you're like, hey, UMass actually moved the ball pretty well, right? Like they're able to do some things compared to the rest of their games. So if it's like that on a right. less extreme scale for eight straight games for some of these max schools, that was my thought. So I think that I this is actually – I still think I'm still making this adjustment. But I, wait, wait, Jeff, I, I wanted to – before – Can I, okay, can I say something? Yeah, yeah. So, you're allowed to use your words. Yeah, so I think this highlights one of the things that I think is most challenging about handicapping in both college football and college basketball, which is strength of schedule, because the, the difference in these schedules is so big in the body of work, i.e., like, yes, you can probably do some, you know, based on common opponents or when they play out of conference, but there's just such a small sample size compared to the rest of the games that they play that I think it's, this is probably one of the most challenging things about modeling 
college sports. And then when you get into, you know, the tournament and college basketball and the bowls here, you have pretty big disparities, I think, in terms of strength of schedule that cause these things. And what's interesting is one of the things that you said, Preston, that I think is interesting. And I think ultimately what you were highlighting was this idea that, that you would rather start doing like hypo- making hypotheses about these different reasons and then trying to test them versus like this sort of blanket analysis that Rufus did. Um, I think one of the things that you said that was interesting is maybe because we see the Mac so much and compared to say the Sun Belt or compared to some of these other conferences that might be pretty poor, we, we give them more credit because we see them so often. Um, and they all, all do get to play like some pretty high profile games in the Big Ten and things like that um, against the Big Ten. So it's possible that we overvalue this. But I think one of the things that's interesting about the Rufus analysis is even when he does all this analysis and he says, yes, they have sucked, that does not mean it's predictive going forward, especially against what the market is saying. So far, they are two and one in the bowls. Um, just to finish this off so we can move on, you know, Pittsburgh, I would take the minus 11 and a half here with all being said and done, given Rufus's numbers. Where were you on this, Cheetah? And then Rufus, will let you have the final word on this. Uh, I, I has 14.4, total uh, 50 and a half. So I, I lean, I guess, if you want to say lean to the Pittsburgh side. I did bet it when some of the openers were popping in Vegas at nine and a half and 10. I think Chris opened nine and a half. I think an interesting point to make uh, about that Circa here in town who have been opening college football sides and totals first basically every week all year. And, you know, I respect what Matt Lineman and those guys are doing over there quite a bit. I think they actually kind of sharpened the opening market as a whole. Uh, they opened 16 and a half, and I'm 14 and a half. Rufus is 16. Uh, they're playing in Detroit, so maybe you want to say Eastern Michigan has a sort of home field advantage there. They're, I think, about 45 minutes away from Detroit. Um, but Pittsburgh's defense, I mean, they're a legitimate top 10, even after adjusting for schedule. Um, I actually rate them fourth in opponent yards per play behind Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia. And they're specifically number one in Havoc rate number three in sack rate. So I think the question ultimately is, will EMU be able to move the ball, generate any points uh, on the surface? I think that's a massive question mark. They're a team that I grade out to be the 108th ranked team in the country. Um, I think the real maybe argument for EMU is Pitt, Pitt's horrible offensively. I think they, they ranked 111th in yards per play, 89th in success rate. Uh, but he is, uh, Eastern Michigan's defensively was 126. So maybe if there was a team that Pitt could actually move the ball regularly against, it would be Eastern Michigan. So uh, for me, it's I don't think Eastern Michigan will be able to score enough. Uh, I would lean the 11 and a half way, but, and I did bet some at 10 and 9 and a half. Rufus, did you so have a final? Did you say, yeah, did you say you have Eastern Michigan 108 or 118? 108th best team in the, in the uh, nation for me, yeah. I have them exactly 108 too. That's Easy. incredible. Easy game. Um, and I agree with his offense. Not been good. I have them as, as number 85 this season. Um, Pittsburgh, strength of schedule 47, Eastern Michigan, number 119. Eastern Michigan, negative nine, average game grade, Pitt plus 5.7. If you just took those averages, that would say straight Pitt minus 14.7. Um, and to finish the um, also Pitt minus eight turnover margin this season, Eastern Michigan plus four. So that suggests that Pittsburgh might have had a little bit of um, misfortune there. Um, it's a very strong defense. Um, and Pitt has been very Pitt overall um, much better play success than Eastern Michigan. That's the biggest statistical mismatch, 70th percentile. That's combining offense in defense, 37th compared to Eastern Michigan. Um, and to end what we were saying about the Mac and Bull games and trying to figure out if it's random or not, um, just I was using the Matthew Peabody as the framework of the analysis rather than the closing line, although I looked at the closing line at the end and I found basically the same conclusion. So I don't know how – I don't think you can say we you know, – the massive Peabody is overvaluing the Mac because it sees them on TV more. Um, I think the the way that I have something like this, the way to sort, the way I sort of try to judge whether there is merit to it or not, and, and how much merit there is, is, is by looking at basically what if there is something that is fundamentally different that I can that I believe that I can quantify, um, or that even if I can't quantify, that I know that I fundamentally no like I, I may not be able to quantify how good the number one you know like chase young is for ohio state but i know he's worth something whereas um in this case i you know i found that there weren't any other teams or any other conferences that had these persistent conference effects across the entire sample which i think i'm using using like since 2006 and there is for the mac and so i would be inclined to say that um and, and obviously, I found that we didn't overvalue the Mac. I didn't overvalue the Mac in non-conference games. It's something very bowl specific. 
Um, so I'd be inclined to say that um, it's probably noise or mostly noise. And, you know, if, if there isn't, if there is any, you know, maybe there's a little bit of an effect and I can only help my Pittsburgh bet here. Um, but before we move on to the next game, I, I kind of want to know Preston. Um, well, first off, I want to tell Jeff that his P and D sounds are very, uh, very harsh today. Very, very, they're, they're popping into that mic. But, um, Preston, do you think Rufus, your you audio is horrid, so <laughs> I know it is. I, I, I know my audio is bad. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, just let's I'm move on. The road let's move on. Come on. Come on. Um, let's move do, on. Preston, do you think? Do you give any credence to what has happened in the early bowl games in terms of does that change your number on the late bowl games? So, for example, the fact that math teams are two and one so far, does that? Do you think that they've maybe been re undervalued? Or, or you know, obviously, I don't think that's example but does does that tell you anything what has happened in bowl games thus far no i i haven't i don't think i've looked at really much of anything in, in theory when uh I, I do something a little bit similar to what you do you were talking about uh was it you, you were relating to like smu tcu like when you're doing your game grades you look back at how they graded out against tcu in week five based on what you know about tcu after 15 weeks rather than just five weeks and so in in theory, there might be a slight, slight change because of a result of one of the bowl games. Um, but I try to put less weight on bowl games because we spoke to, you know, more randomness and variance in bowls potentially anyways. Um, so I, I rarely am like, oh, I'm going to buy off this game now because of a result of this one. Like like Pitt, right? Like we have Pitt minus nine and a half, ten. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, Max been on fire. They're two and one, which is way above their norm. I'm going to play EMU back <laughs> in half. I just, I don't really uh, dig into that stuff. And if I was popping, I moved my my mic back a little bit. So hopefully it's not as bad going forward. Thanks. Oh, it wasn't you. It was Jeff. Oh, it was Jeff. My bad. Okay. You're fine. Yeah. If I said Preston, I meant Jeff. Anyways, we go on to, you? Yeah. On to the next game. We got Temple playing North Carolina in the military bowl. Uh, North Carolina is a four and a half point favorite. The total is 53. Temple is a team that I think you guys have disagreed on all season. Um, Rufus has been very against Temple all season. Um, and I know that Cheetah, you've been on Temple a few different times, so I'd be interested to hear how your numbers line up in this one. I did make a note of that. I said, I think Rufus has been betting against Temple this season, and I always wondered why. Uh, so I put that note here. Uh, if anything, I, I think I backed Temple three times. They were successful all three. That's when they were underdogs. So I'm not sure uh, where we were really different outside of maybe just our prior team grades going into the season in, in general. But uh, this is what I think is interesting about it is I have UNC nearly a six-point favorite. Uh, you can get four and a halves generally in the market right now. 54.8 is my total, so maybe it's a little bit low. Um, but so for me being more pro Temple than anything this year, uh, my guess is that Rufus likes UNC, at least to some degree. I will say, so I'm passing on the game because my number is pretty close. A uh, couple of things to know, Mac Brown and freshman quarterback uh, Sam Howell, I mean, they exceeded expectations by far. And last week I mentioned Army's defensive coordinator, Jay Bateman, leaving. I couldn't remember off the top of my head where it was to. It was to UNC. So they've, they've just been a lot better, I think, than people anticipated in general. Um, the one thing here about Temple, uh, first-year Temple coach Rod Carey, who, by the way, came from a Mac school. He was at Northern Illinois. Uh, he's 0-6 straight up in bowl games. He's 0-6 against the spread by an average of 18 points per game from the point spread, not just uh, straight up. So 18 points per game he's losing against the spread in six bowl games. Now, this is his first one at Temple. Was that just a product of being in the MAC, uh, or is he just that bad at preparing for a bowl season? Uh, it's an interesting question. The one X's and O's edge note I made here where advantage may be Temple uh, is on the defensive side. They rank 27th in success rate, 15th in opponent yards per play, but specifically sack rate. Uh, UNC ranks like top 60 in just about every offensive category except their own sack rate. They rank 110th. They've given up 37 sacks, and Temple ranks 22nd. Um, they've uh, gotten 39 quarterback opponent sacks. So uh, with freshman Sam Howell and a battle line against an elite pass rush maybe that's somewhat concerning uh why maybe the temple would be the side but for me i'm just passing overall that's interesting uh preston you actually uh, i had that written down uh coach owen six in bowl games i was listening to the solid verbal podcast on on the drive up here and they they made note of that so yes i have been against temple this season i think part of that is due to priors if you know i have them as the 80th rated team um in the mass Peabody ratings but if you put no priors into that, they're number 66. UNC has also exceeded my expectations. They're 43 overall, but if you if you took out priors, they'd be 34. UNC is also um, they've lost a ton of close games. They you know South Carolina by four, um, Miami by three, 
obviously Clemson, they lost at home by only one there. Oh, sorry, actually, I beat South Carolina. Sorry, I was talking about the games they won there. South Carolina, Miami. Um, but no, they, they lost to Wake, App State, Clemson, Virginia, Pitt, um, and, and they were all one-score games. So so they've had, the record is, you know, I think they've had some misfortune there in their record. Uh, they've they've outscored their opponents by an average of 6.7 points, Temple only by 4.1, um, and UNC's strength of schedule, much more difficult, 35, Temple's 84. Um, if you look at the game grades, UNC's average is a plus 6.8, Temple's a negative 1.9. But Temple was very, very skewed by one really bad game against UCF. If you exclude that, like that drops their average game grade down a full three points. So um, wow. they have beaten. They did beat Memphis, but they kind of were. They, they, they did not play very. Yes, they were plus plus four in turnovers. That that's you know uh, yeah. So my I make the number ten. Um, obviously higher than than she does, but that's because. I've been anti-Temple, which hasn't been that great for me. But if you look back, like, remember Temple was uh, – they were an underdog, a seven-point dog to Maryland, and everybody thought that Maryland was going to be uh, a lot better, us included. They they what they pummeled Howard. I, was it Howard? It was Howard. Yeah. Um, Howard and then Syracuse. And, and, and then Syracuse, yeah. And then in, and then I don't know what happened after that. They had that um, – is it – Justin Jackson, uh, the transfer from Virginia Tech, Virginia quarterback. Tech. He, he, yeah. he went out a few games, but yeah, they were a mess. Yeah, but I mean, okay. yeah, Temple overall, like, yeah. But I, so, I'm on, so we I'm like, on so, so there's a, there's definitely a lean towards North Carolina. Rufus, I'm guessing you're on that, even though Temple has been someone you've been down on. Um, you you listed some good reasons why North Carolina might be a little bit underrated based on uh, a record, etc. So. Um, let's move on to the pinstripe bowl, uh, in Yankee stadium, Michigan state is a three and a half point favorite over Wake Forest. The total is 50. Uh, Preston, do you have anything there? I did bet wake. So, uh, I'm, and I'm, I think a lot of people have this basically right on market that I've talked with and I'm, I guess that Rufus is too, to some degree, but I've been bullish on wake forest all year and specifically quarterback, Jamie Newman. I think he has a ton more upside than Sam Hartman. He uh, took over late last season when Hartman injured his leg. Uh, and then he basically won the job. He kind of reminds me of Cam Newton. His mobility is that he's just big, but still runs well and falls forward for extra, you know, two to three yards every time he's hit. Uh, and he's also, I think, just as good of a passer, if not slightly better at this point. He's technically questionable. He's listed as of recently being number one on the depth chart coming out of the practice report is that he's been playing and practicing with the ones. So I think he's a go. So I think it's okay to back him uh, if you agree. But uh, I, I think the ultimate um, angle here for me is that Sparty's – obviously they've fallen off some this season. They weren't very good. They're still pretty good defensively, but really only against the run. Uh, they gave up over 61% completion rate through the year, which ranks 75th, nearly seven yards per attempt. Uh, Demon Deacons, they finished the season averaging, averaging eight yards per attempt, 16th in adjusted passing success rate. Um, and I don't think, you know, there's putting a ton into the coaching matchup in this one. I'm still a Mark D'Antonio believer as a whole, but the tone and vibe surrounding the program at Michigan state is, you know, is, was this his last year or is the next season going to be his last year? It's just been kind of going downhill. Um, and then on the flip side, Dave Clawson, he takes over a wake forest. Uh, they've gone to three straight bowl games. They've won all three. Uh, so taking the plus fours, even the three and a halves that are plus money, I think I saw like a plus three and a half plus one Oh two, which is pretty, good compared to four minus 110 uh, i believe that's at penny uh anyway i, I think i gotta go with it especially since i'm closer to a plus one true line and if newman does not play uh then i'm probably closer to flipping a coin which is unfortunate but everything looks like he's a go so we have a pretty strong disagreement here actually i, I make the line um michigan state minus a little over nine so wow. um, looking at it michigan state i have them as the 34th rated team wake number 70 if you exclude priors um, Michigan State's 47, Wake's 84, so I think they both kind of underachieved a little bit. Michigan State with the far tougher schedule, 20 versus 62. Uh, Michigan State margin of victory, negative 0.7, Wake plus 3.5. Game grade, Michigan State plus 5.3, Wake plus 0.4. Both teams started the season hot. Michigan started. Michigan State started 4-1, and one, um, Wake 5-0, and oh, but both have, have really struggled since. Um, Michigan State went through that that well they they played Ohio State they lost by 24 but I still get their game grade there is still a plus 16 meaning against an average FPS team I'd expected them to on a neutral field to playing that way they 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 would have beaten an average team by 16 so um not necessarily so against Wisconsin they lost by 38 but but um their game grades against Penn State and Illinois and those losses um that's a brutal four-week stretch um actually five weeks with Michigan um 
were not that bad. So 49th percentile against Penn State, 49th against Illinois, 32nd against Michigan. Back 27 nothing win against Rutgers. Obviously, um, their defense is the strength of their team. That was 82nd percentile. Struggled in a win against Maryland. But but if you look at Wake, they have not, um, coming down the stretch, they have not been great either. They, um, they you know, they, they lost 62-59 week seven to Louisville, but that game graded actually as a negative 19 for them. So my, my metrics, you know, they were horrid on, on defense, obviously, and, and not that great on offense either. I'm not sure if it was turnovers or what, um, but they did not grade out well there. And that's, um, they have a, and then Virginia Tech, they lost by 19. That also was in, um, was only 20th percentile, 26th percentile in their blowout loss to Clemson. Um, so, yeah, they've, um, I just, I don't know exactly why we're we're so opposite here because the priors, you know, I was higher on both those teams early in the season or going into the season than than I am now. But I think um, it may largely be a product of the schedule and the fact that I think that Michigan State, um, the schedule was so much tougher. I did run into a little bit of a conundrum this season. I don't know if there was a single team, talking about Michigan State here, that got steamed every other week to numbers that just did not make sense and just would continue to get steamed Friday, Saturday morning. Like Arizona State's a, uh, a good example. Illinois is a good example. They're at home. They're laying these huge numbers. And they, like, they were just losing these games all outright. And I kept trying to figure out, well, how much, do I, how much stock do I put into the actual results of Michigan State's performance versus like the market closing line, which you're supposed to trust, right? So I, I, I was ended up downgrading Michigan State over the course of the season to some degree versus where the market was seemingly consistent for a good portion of the season. Just because they were never performing to that expectation. Uh, I feel like there was probably one or two more instances, which was very similar. It may have been like a Penn State game. Game. Um, I don't think the Ohio State game really moved much at all. Maybe it was Indiana, but there was just a, or maybe it was Wisconsin. They lost 38-0 on that one. It might have been that game too, where they would get like at least two to three points of line movement their way in that Illinois game, and I think Arizona State especially from openers were moving like a touchdown, and just they came nowhere close. And so they were very strange for me throughout the season trying to correctly project how they were going to perform because they just kept falling short. Um, but the market kind of continued to disagree, which uh, I can see why I'm a little bit higher in the sense on Wake Forest, just because I'm probably lower on Michigan State as a whole, uh, just trying to figure out what they were, were this season when it's all said and done. Yeah, I would think that the move, I mean, they're obviously, they have a lot of, of talent on that roster, at least I think they do. Um, they just haven't performed up to that expectation. Okay, can we move on to the to the yep. Texas Bowl, the NRG Stadium? It's Texas a&M minus six and a half over Oklahoma State, and it's 54 and a half. I don't have any of this Yeah, you can go ahead, though. Yeah, go for it. I don't either. I don't either. I, I make the line um, minus eight points. All right, let's move on. Okay, to, to me, it feels like a bit on. of a referendum on, on the Big 12 versus SEC strength of you know the, the conference because Texas A&M, I feel like people, you know, they've been rated, I've rated them pretty high all year despite their, their mediocre record because they've played such a tough schedule. But, yes, Jeff, we can move on. There's a few good points on this I need to mention. So Spencer Sanders okay. got hurt. Iowa minus two over USC in the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. The, the total is 52. I bet the over real quick. Don't bet the Oklahoma State A&M game unless you, Sanders is playing. That's all I was going to say there. Also, A&M's five losses, by the way, are to top eight teams. All five of them. Yeah. Otherwise, they're 7-0. A&M's probably the play. All right, over 50. I bet over 51, 51 and a half, 52 in USC, Iowa. So my projection is 55 and a half. Um, USC ranked eighth in offensive success rate. They have one of the best, if not the best, uh, receiver units in the country. Um, on the other side, I think Iowa actually graded out in my adjusted success rate uh, like 37th, which is way high when you, like, I test Iowa's offense. They're never a top 40 offense, right? Part of it's adjusting for strength of schedule in the Big Ten and those defenses. Um, but I also think a lot of it is just the way that Kirk Ferentz plays or coaches, I should say, uh, football, very conservative play calling and decision making. Iowa led the nation in field goal attempts per game at 2.8. They also led the nation in makes, so at least they were making those. But I'd seemingly like yell at the TV screen every other week because he was kicking on fourth and one. Like I just, he just couldn't find ways to just go for it in the red zone. So I feel like Iowa has you know missed out on a lot of points that could have been had. Now that's a problem if I'm betting it over. Why is Friends going to change what he does the way he coaches a game or calls a game uh, in a bowl game? He probably won't. But he's now going up against the USC defense that ranked 111th in success rate this season. The only defense they saw that ranked worse was Rutgers, who ranked 112th. 
So I anticipate just in general, you know, the Hawkeyes, for instance, they can probably convert a few more drives into touchdowns versus field goals. Uh, and their defense is top 30 in most metrics, but they've also gone against offenses outside of Ohio State and Wisconsin really aren't even near the realm of USC. So I'm rooting for points. Uh, I think it's a worthwhile upside. And I have a three and a half point edge uh, on 52s anyways. I don't have anything in the total there. Um, I lean USC a little on the side. I make the number, um, well, let's see. I, I have USC number 20th, Iowa State um, number 24 in my rating. So um, I give a small edge to um, – oh, no, sorry. That's the, um, that's the in-season only. That's the uh, – I actually have Iowa State – or sorry, I, I have Iowa slightly better overall in, um, in the predictive ratings. Anyway, um, I believe, although now I can't find them on my spreadsheet. So uh, interesting point, though, when I was listening to the solid verbal this morning that um, that Dan Rubenstein made, he said, um, if Bulls are if Bulls are about caring and defense is about caring, I'll go with the better defense. He made that as a point of, for why he liked Iowa here. Um, I haven't looked into that, but I thought it was an interesting hypothesis, and I might um, it might be something I'm going to take a look at and sort of see if if there is something more to, you know, if defense, better defenses tend to do better in bowl season. Yeah, that would be easy to check, right? Higher rated defense oh, against yeah. the spread record in bowls. And I, my guess is that there's uh, – it would not be 52.3% historically or better, I, I would think. I would shock me if it was. But uh, maybe we've all just missed that over the course of time and we're missing out on free money. All right, let's I'm move on to, to like the cheese it, cheese it Bowl in Chase Field, Air Force minus three. 67 and a half over Washington state. This is a, this is an interesting one. Um, I like, first I'll say I like Washington state here. Um, I make them a small favorite, you know, and you're getting three I have them as the number 38 team air force 48. But if you throw out priors, Washington state is worse than air force. They're number 33 and air force is number 27. Air force has obviously had a much easier schedule. Um, 94th to 57th. They're much better margin victory um, over two touchdowns rather than Washington State, which is 7.8. And Air Force's game grades have averaged plus 11.5, and Washington State is only a plus 3.9. Yet, I still like Washington State and still think, despite that, that um, it, that they should be, well, it should be very close to a pick. And I think part of that is priors. And, um, but, you know, I have a sort of sort of an ensemble thing, and the, the more roster-based prior actually likes Air Force a little more because uh, it's, you can't really evaluate an academy in the same way as in other school because they're, you know, they're not going to get the five-star recruits, but um, the effect of recruiting is a little bit less at the academies because it is uh, this system. Um, narrative, you have extra prep time for Washington State, but on the other side, I actually looked at this. I was like, I wonder if, like, given the extra prep time, academies do um, worse in bowl games. No, they've overperformed by five, my numbers by five points on average in bowl games. Um, and so that's, um, that is, it's, it's pretty significant, actually. Um, I, I'm not saying that's going to persist, but I, I don't think we can really say the narrative that like, oh, well, these teams, other teams have more time to prep. I mean, maybe the narrative for this is that bowl teams are more disciplined and so they'll, or, or not bowl teams, um, academies are more disciplined. So, well, because the same thing didn't really apply, like when you added in like the Georgia Southern and Georgia Tech, like the option non-academy teams, you didn't have that, you did not have that same um, effect there. Um, so anyway, all that said, I'm going my numbers. I, I like Washington State plus three. Um, I'll hold my breath and, and you know, and, and I read that story about Mike Leach and, and ESPN, was it ESPN? No, The Athletic um, and his meetings. And so that doesn't, after, after reading about how, uh, all he does is non-football stuff during the quarterback meetings. I'm like, eh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that doesn't, doesn't inspire confidence, but I have Washington State plus three. I think, uh, I think Mike Leach has either read three and 10 or four and 10 ATS in bowl games. So that might be partly the reason. Um, real quick, since 1980, academies are 74% against the spread. So it definitely goes to the argument of if a team's going to care, uh, academy schools probably will care and try more than other teams, right? I guess it makes sense. Army seven and one, Navy's twelve and five, Air Force is fifteen and eight. Uh, just some notes I made there. For me, uh, I'm Wazoo plus zero point nine, so I also would lean to the plus three. I didn't bet it though. I also worried about Leach. I think the plays the over. I took over sixty seven, uh, sixty eight or better probably would be like a cutoff for me. There's still sixty eights, I think most spots, but some sixty eight and a halves now. Um, I wouldn't overthink it though. I mean. 
71.2 is my projection, and then it's really just a strength versus weakness on both sides of the ball. Washington, they're two top six offenses in success rate. Uh, Washington State's rush defense ranks 113th in adjusted line yards, 119th in stuffed rate, 106th in opponent yards per rush. Now they face what's been almost an unstoppable Falcons option attack. Uh, so that's enticing. Offensively, Air Force ranks second, sixth, and 19th in those same uh, metrics. So, uh, same advantage goes the other way, right? And, and one reason I think that maybe Rufus had his priors are a little bit different. Like, who's Anthony Gordon, right? He was a nobody that was going to be the quarterback for Wazoo taking over um, for some of the stars that have been there and a couple that have gone and played a little bit in the NFL for Mike Leach. Uh, and then he threw for over 5,000 yards. They were by far the best passing team by completion percentage, yards per uh, game, all of that stuff. So uh, I think that's why they've actually performed better than preseason expectations offensively. Now, defensively, they've been a disaster. Um, so for, for me, Air Force's pass defense against an air raid, they're about slightly below average versus the schedule that they've faced. Um, so I think it's kind of, like I said, a battle of strengths versus weaknesses, which bodes well for points on each side. Um, and I made the note here, too, on my, on my page for Mike Leach, 4 and 10 ATS in bowl games is the official number. So uh, I'm just going over. Anything 68 or better is my buy for that. Interesting. Um, Preston, I actually um, – I didn't play the under, but I have, I have a disagreement there. Um, without Adrian Weather, I make it a 64. So uh, I have – I have Air Force is a very, very slow team. Um, I mean, which makes sense. But I have them as a negative 11.6 total plays, the slow teams combined. Um, that, that's their sort of fundamental number relative to, to league average. Washington State is only a plus 3.2. So, I think um, and you're right, Washington's I was Washington say State's one more point. is really, really bad. It's, it's, but maybe, it's, it's extremely bad. Yeah. Maybe, but maybe the Air Force – you know, maybe uh, that means less against an option offense. Somehow, maybe they're able to, I don't know, maybe it's different enough. I mean, it, probably they will just get destroyed yeah, in the running game. But, yeah. you know, I, I was going to make helpful. one more point. And it credits Air Force this season, 10 wins. They've had more games than Norm where they actually controlled the game, like one by two to four possessions. Um, game like the Hawaii game was close for three quarters. That's, they scored 82 in that game. Uh, another one that, if I recall, was pretty close for a lot of the games, like Fresno State. Uh, there were 67 points in the game. So otherwise, they've just kind of been crushing teams where, yeah, I think they're sitting on it a ton more in the second halves, and that's probably part of the reason that they're coming out or grading out even slower for you. So you think if it's, so if it ends up being a blowout, less good for, for your over if it's a close Definitely. game? Definitely. I, I need over. Washington State to hang around, absolutely. So we can kind of root for each other there. Sounds good. Well, let's hit Iowa State-Notre Dame here. Um, Go for you want to start? Sure, I can take it. I didn't bet anything. Um, I'm minus three, 55.2. Uh, so, I mean, if you made me take it, I think I would go Iowa State. Um, this is like kind of uh, you want to question the M word again with motivation. It's an interesting spot where a 10-win Notre Dame team doesn't usually get relegated to pre-New Year's Six Bulls. Uh, it just hasn't happened very often. Now they're playing a team that I believe Iowa State finished uh, seven and five. Um, Notre Dame specifically, as far as X's and O's go, they're fourth. They rated fourth this season against the pass, which is what Iowa State is good at. Brock Purdy's had a really good sophomore season after losing, I think, two weapons to the NFL in the offseason. They're a top 20 offense through the air. Um, but if that's negated by the Notre Dame defense, then Iowa State's probably not going to be able to score too many points. Um, one other note I made here, I it was really interesting. So the Irish, they almost had that home loss to Virginia Tech. They come back on the last drive. They win by one point. Then they beat Duke, BC, Navy, and Stanford by an average of 30 points in their final four games of the season. I mean, they were playing, if you want us like a little more mean towards the recency of the end of the regular season versus the entirety of it. Uh, I mean, they were playing way above expectation and market expectation. I mean, it's not like Duke, Boston College, Navy, Stanford are awful teams by any means. So um, for me, I, it's, it's enough to pass just because my number's three anyway, and it's only three and a half. But I have a little bit of worry, I guess, that if Notre Dame just plays like they did for the last four weeks and their pass defense so good that well, what's Iowa State going to do to move the ball uh, with Brock Purdy? It, it's probably the Irish if I had to pick a winner. I don't, I, I don't have anything. Actually, I laid a little minus two and a half. Minus one thirty. Um, but I, you know, on Notre Dame, I I've heard that it seems like Iowa State is a popular pick here, um, and I don't really understand why. Um, like you said, Notre Dame has been playing quite well to end the season. Um, I have them as the number thirteen team in the SCP body. Iowa State number twenty two. They yeah. Um, Notre Dame note uh, they'll have a new offensive coordinator play caller for this game. Chip Long's out. Tommy Reese is in. So. He, he's motivated, I guess. He has something to prove. Um, and, yes, Notre Dame finished 8-1, and one, beating USC, UVA, and Virginia Tech, who were, you know, 
not not awful teams um, in Stanford. And Iowa State, um, coming off their two worst games of the season to end the season, um, 30th and 21st percentile in a 10-point win over Kansas and a 10-point loss to Kansas State. So don't really have a play, but if forced to choose, I would take Notre Dame. Penn State minus 7 over Memphis, totals 59 in the Cotton Bowl at AT&T Stadium. So this is what I mentioned last week that I had a pretty big discrepancy on versus some of the other people I talked to. Uh, well, and when we did the pod last week, it was six and a half. So now it's seven. I said I was double digits. I'm minus 10.1. Uh, so a good portion of the edge is diminished now since it's sitting seven. But uh, if anyone got the six and a halves, well done. I think that's the side. I don't know if I'm just maybe overrating Penn State's defense uh, because of their strength of schedule, but they finished eighth in the justice success rate defensively. Uh, they were tied for first with a few other teams, allowing 2.8 yards per rush specifically. San Diego State, they were first, allowing 2.7, but then after the Central Michigan Bowl game, they dropped back a little bit. Those other teams in the mix, like Utah, Georgia, Ohio State, Buffalo, Wyoming, um, so they're elite against the run. And I think um, while Memphis's offense has been great against the 71st-ranked schedule, um, the best defenses they've seen outside of Penn State being top 10 uh, is Navy and Temple raking 32 and 33. Uh, they only scored 35 and 28 in those two games. That sounds fine in general. We look at their other eight games, uh, they scored between 42 and 55. And I'm leaving out two games against Cincinnati because they're also top 40 defense. They ranked 38th. Um, they only scored 34 and 29 in Penn State. Again, they're eighth. I mean, this is by far the best defense that they've seen. So I'm a little bit concerned about Memphis being able to move the ball. Um, they were 9.2 yards per pass, which is one of the best top 10, if, especially if you eliminate the option teams who always gain like double-digit yards per pass because everyone thinks they're going to run the ball. Um, but what it comes down to for me is this. I think it's really intriguing just from an X's and O's like uh, scheming standpoint. Um, on a less extreme volume, the reason Memphis is so strong through the air is because their pass frequency is really low. It's only 44%, which ranks 86th, despite being so elite there. It's because in an RPO-type offense, a run-pass option, um, you know that, that rushing game has to be effective, and it has been for them. They're a top 25 or 30 team rushing the ball, and they're number two in explosiveness because it opens up these big plays through the air because they have to key in, defenses have to key in on the run game. But now if they're going up against a team that's tied for first or top five against the run, then it's going to limit what they're able to do against the run, which then – you know, warrants their passing game to be less effective in these RPO teams against good defenses. I just think really stall. Same with kind of air raids you've seen in the past uh, going up against Big Ten teams. I, Washington State versus Michigan State rings a bell from a few years ago. Uh, so I'm a little concerned about, in general, Memphis's offense. Um, but I went with it. I bet Penn State at minus six and a half. So if those are still around, uh, minus 120 or better, you can probably get some places still as well. I think that's the bet. I'm uh, I, I disagree here. I'm on Memphis a little bit. I let's see. I have um, well, I got a little seven and a half, very small position there. I make the number five. So um, you know, it's not really a play plus seven, but um, but I'd play it at seven and a half if that was available. Uh, I have Memphis as the number twenty team, Penn State number fourteen. If you only use the current season, Memphis is sixteen, Penn State's twelve. Um, obviously, yeah, Penn State, much more difficult schedule, 24th, 72nd for Memphis. Um, Penn State, four, four points per game better in terms of margin of victory. But in terms of game grade, uh, Penn State's at 14.1 and Memphis is 13.5. So, so very close. Um, looking at it also, Preston, I'm curious, how do you value that, that last game for Memphis? Because Memphis played Cincinnati in the, the final week of the regular season, then had to play Cincinnati again for the um, for the conference championship and a game which was very sloppy on their part is actually their worst graded game of the season. I, I kind of, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I'm not doing anything funky with it, but I would think maybe, you know, playing a team that you just played um, that may not be quite as predictive for how well you play against a, um, a team that you hadn't played, right? Cause it's, this team knows you very well. Um, you're maybe trying to have to do something a little bit different. Um, do you have any take on that, Preston? I think Cincinnati did have an advantage because in the first matchup, uh, Cincinnati's quarterback was out. Ritter, I believe is his last name. The backup quarterback played. So when they actually met in the title game, if I recall correctly, the Ritter was back in, so their normal starting quarterback played, which Memphis hadn't seen yet. And then you're right, Cincinnati's defense had just seen Memphis for a game the week prior. So that kind of familiarity aspect really only pointed towards the Cincinnati side uh, since Memphis was playing an entirely different quarterback uh, when it was all said and done. So they, that, that kind of, I think, mixed it up a little bit. Um, but I mean, I, I, both times my numbers actually liked uh, Memphis slightly. I did not bet either game, but both times I believe Cincinnati covered. I don't remember the exact final of the, of the first one they played, but uh, I believe Cincinnati went 2-0 there. 
So I was on it's interesting for you guys there. To, to hear to hear that the disparity here is interesting because I know there were some times this year where you guys were opposite on Penn State in the opposite direction. So the fact yeah. that Rufus likes Penn State here, I uh, sorry, Rufus does not like Penn State, and you do. Again, like just it, it, I think one thing that would just be really interesting, maybe in the off season, is to sort of deconstruct our two models and to try to figure out where the where the disagreement comes from. Um, and like what goes into each, and, and maybe that'll be an interesting off-season podcast to do. Well, Jeff, yeah, one thing sure. with Penn State, you're right. I was I was higher in Penn State. Um, they were, I guess, going into week. Uh, I guess they peaked in my numbers going well, you, into you week had, twelve. So the, the game, the game that I know that you guys were oppo on was the Iowa game, and it was a game that um, you know, uh, Rufus, you were on Penn State, and and uh, Preston was on Iowa, and it was sort of like the centerpiece game that I remember. Yeah, at the so, time I had Jeff, I had I had Penn State as the number seven team in my rankings at a, at a twenty three point six. Um, compare that to now, where they're they're all the way down to number fourteen at sixteen point nine. So they've dropped um, a good four points there, and and that's because you know they started you know, they were coming off of of very dominant performances against Maryland and Purdue at that point. They actually played well, even um, beating Iowa seventeen to twelve. They Played pretty well against Michigan in a seven-point win, but not um, phenomenal. Played very well against Michigan State, but then the last three games against Indiana, they rated uh, they won by seven, but only 48th percentile. And then Rutgers in a 27 to six win, I only had them in the 19th percentile there. So they were, um, yeah, they uh, they've kind of they've gone down in my rating since then. And I think oh, Memphis, on the other hand, has kind of. I mean, with not that last game against Cincinnati notwithstanding, they kind of were on a on a roll. They've um, with games against SMU, Houston, um, South Florida that were all uh, 80th percentile, well, and then Cincinnati first time, all 80th percentile on above. So it's it's worth noting real quick, and I didn't mention Sean Clifford. He got injured in the Ohio State game. Penn State used their second and third string quarterbacks against Rutgers, so that's probably why they were 19th percentile there. Sean Clifford's probable, so he's supposed to play. If he doesn't play, then this would not be a bet for me. I'm assuming that the information out there saying he's going to play is correct. He's probable to play, um, but he's a big deal, right? The drop-off from Sean Clifford, who played the entirety of the season, gets hurt against the Buckeyes, didn't play the Rutgers game. Um, that would be a pretty substantial drop-off for me where I wouldn't be betting minus six and a half. I got you. Right, However, well, for it looks like wait really quickly in the Rutgers game, what would really drag Rutgers or drag Penn State down was defense. They they were uh, in tenth percentile in place defensive play success. Penn State was so um, so it wasn't just the quarterback. I, so yeah. leave it to Rutgers to only score six points in that case. Yeah, yeah. We won't even get into Rufus's love of Rutgers this year. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good place for us to end this one. Uh, obviously, we had some audio difficulties. I had internet problems. Rufus had Rufus problems. But we're going to try to jump on the Thursday night to finish out the Bulls and probably both have better internet connections at that point. So um, talk to you guys later in the week, um, and hopefully these bowl games are fruitful for you. Uh, happy holidays, everyone. Likewise.